Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by From Within Records. We got a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline. You can expect a payback discography on CD, which I'm super stoked about. Shout out to the Once in Unity. Go out and do more than your 10%. Mushmouth 97 demo repress. I love the 90s, so I'm stoked for that. Also, new music from Despise. Shout out Ben Brody. Super awesome guy. I love Ben Brody and everybody else in Despise putting out awesome music out there in the UK. So make sure to keep an eye out on that. Shout out my friends from Chicago, MH Chaos, coming out with a new LP. Definitely looking forward to that. Those guys are always staying busy, doing awesome stuff out there in Chicago. So shout out MH Chaos. And also, we can't forget Warren coming out of the SWB Scram Wilkes-Barre area, coming out with the Human Work LP, which I'm super stoked about. This relationship with Warren and From Within Records gets me so excited. I love both parties, and I'm stoked to see what they do in the future. So shout out Warren, Human Work LP coming out soon. And if you're not following From Within Records on social media, go boot up your Twitter, your Spotify, and do yourself a favor. Stay up to date on all the awesome news. There's stuff coming really soon and you guys should be following them so you can get it as soon as it gets dropped. So please follow from within records, do yourself a favor and please support them because they support us. On today's episode, we travel to Baltimore. I love Baltimore. I listen to serial season one all the time. I'm still on the fence. If you have an opinion, if you have listened to season one, let's talk about it because I could go on forever about it. I, I, I've done it all. I was in the subreddit. I listened to all the podcasts, undisclosed. I watched the HBO thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm so into it and I, I don't know what really happened, but I love Baltimore. Shout out Trap Under Ice to put me on the map when it comes to Baltimore. I wasn't too familiar when I was younger, but then Trapped Under Ice came out change the game for me shout out end it awesome band currently from there Queensway. shout out my boy jack compton we got to get you back on the podcast adrenaline you guys know the vibes but i had to track down our good friend riddell aka eulogy plays in a band called drip i was super stoked to finally be able to sit down and talk to this guy i follow him on social media i dig his vibe he's very artistic and i and i, I that, that word's kind of funky sometimes but i i just dig his vibe he, he's doing his own thing he's vibing out in his own lane doing his eulogy project which i think is sick if you guys aren't familiar hit the show notes and i'm sure you'll see me post about it but go check out his page on youtube he has a live set that he filmed it got remastered it's super awesome i'm digging his solo stuff but then also he teamed up with some homies from back home put out this awesome record called kiss a life from his band Drip. If you're not familiar, head over to the Bandcamp. Uh, I'm not sure if it's on Spotify. Honestly, I tried looking it up on Spotify. The name Drip, pretty common. So it was hard to find out. I actually got to get some confirmation to find out if it's actually on the streaming services. So uh, I'll get back to you guys on that. But go search out Drip, Kiss of Life, and do yourself a favor and check out a newer band from Baltimore. They haven't even played a show yet. It's quarantine. It's 2020. Shit's not popping off right now, but they decided to drop this sick record. So seriously, I encourage you guys hit pause right now. Go search out Kiss of Life. Listen to it front to back, all eight tracks, and then come back and listen to me talk to Riddell. It's awesome. He was fun to talk to. Super interesting. And I hope you guys seriously enjoy this conversation as much as I did because Riddell, awesome. He's a homie. 
So strap in, and without further ado, welcome Riddell to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Riddell. How's it going? Hey, it's going great. How's it going? Man, I'm I'm stoked to finally have you here. This is uh, and this is just a, a testament to um, why I love Twitter because I was scrolling through Twitter one day. I saw our mutual friend Sen. He reposted uh, your band Drip that they just put out a, a new uh, demo or record, and I was like, okay, right. th- this is cool. I- I've never heard of uh, Drip, so let me check it out. And I was into the music, so. I reached out to Sen to see what the vibes were like, and that would kind of let us here today. So I'm super happy that you're here to do the podcast. Yeah, I'm super excited. Actually, uh, I found out about you through Sen because he had posted that, you know, he did a podcast with you forever, a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I checked that out because I love podcasts. So I was already kind of uh, into your 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 little thing you got going on. I listen to you at, you at work daily. Dude, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And it still hasn't like um, become normal. I don't even know if it ever will become, be like a normal thing for me. But whenever I, I talk to anybody and they let me know that they listen to the podcast, it's always just like very humbling and I'm very appreciative. So to hear you say that you listen to it um, at work daily, that that's super awesome to hear. Yeah, it's um, I admire people who do podcasts. Actually, I've been wanting to do one for I've been telling my wife like a year or two mm-hmm. one and not just. I have the idea and concept, uh, just haven't gotten to it. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I love podcasts. They're uh, music ones in particular. I always encourage people if you want to do it, you should because it's fun. And I feel like um, like people uh, are interesting enough and have like their own view on things. And I love conversations. So whenever I hear anybody that you know uh, kind of has the idea that wants to do it, I always just urge them to do it and. Uh, I always like, you know, I'm, I always let people know that I will be down to help if anybody has any questions. Cause I know it uh, could be kind of uh, like daunting if you look at it and there's like so many different aspects of it, but I did like a lot of research on like YouTube and Reddit. So I, I kind of, I had to figure it out that way. Cause I didn't really know anybody else in the space at the time that could help me. So uh, I, I just want to kind of put it out there that anybody who's uh, wanting to jump in, like I'm willing to help out, answer any questions, any suggestions. Cause I don't want anybody to feel lost. want to just, you know, help everybody who wants to start one. Cause I feel like um, there's enough space for everybody when it comes to podcasts, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's funny. I've always heard people talk about podcasts for years and it wasn't until probably, I want to say two, three years ago that I actually started diving into them and um, checking them out. I really enjoy them. So, yeah. you know, it's funny is the way I got into podcasts is I um, love mixed martial arts and I was just so obsessed like at the very beginning. I was like, I have to know everything. I, I got to you know do research. So I went from like just watching it and then I started following like uh, these news outlets and at that point they weren't like reporting news fast enough you know things weren't happening like at a rapid rate i was like okay there has to be some sort of like you know other medium that i can uh, figure out to help fill this like you know need to want to just hear about mixed martial arts and then i found out that some of uh, these reporters that i follow and uh, people that i was a fan of they did 
podcast and that's how i found out about it i was like oh i was like i guess i listen to podcasts now so it was all because of like mixed martial arts that kind of like you know drove me down like this weird rabbit hole and it wasn't until like years later where i had like random equipment and decided to kind of take the plunge and try it out for myself yeah man that's interesting i, I would have never thought someone got into podcasting through martial arts <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's, it's a weird thing and I, I still listen to some of those people today like um uh, joe rogan was um, a huge inspiration still is and uh this uh journalist um ariel helwani he, he's uh living in new jersey right now but he's like in my opinion like the best mma journalist and uh just like just try to follow like a lot of things that he did with his like a uh, weekly show because he has like a, a weekly show that he used to do um, it was like Mondays. Oh, he still um, does a show on Mondays, but it, it used to go for like three or four hours, which was amazing. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but then like over time, uh, you know, format changes, and now he has a co-host, which is like super awesome. But yeah, like those two are like, like really big inspirations at the very beginning for me. Yeah, man. I I think I'm gonna I'm gonna get to it, man. I really I really want to uh, start one. I have a concept and ideas, so I just gotta put my foot down and get the ball rolling. For sure. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm curious and I'm down to check it out whenever you get it up and running. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm curious about you. Uh, when I look at your uh, Twitter, your Instagram, uh, you seem really um, uh, like creative, like very artsy. Is that a fair word? Like, because I'm not trying to. Yeah, because yeah, that word can be weird sometimes, but like artsy in a good way. Yeah, man. Art. Art. I mean, I consider myself an artist first and foremost. OK. My first love and passion. So. Yeah, I'm an artist uh, that does music um, for sure. Okay, so I, I just want to uh, jump back to the very beginning because I'm, I'm really curious because obviously you, you're you in the band Drip and then you have, um, it would be fair to say, a solo project called Eulogy? Yeah, Eulogy is a solo project that I've been doing for the past five years. Okay, so I, I'm just very curious. Uh, how did you get into like this lane of just being so like artistic? Uh, that's been me since day one. Uh, you know, if you want to take it back to like when I got into art or, you know, it, it was, um, fifth grade, you know, my, my parents, it was time to figure out if, you know, if it's, is it private school, is it this or that? Uh, they, they noticed that I took a liking to art in um, you know, fifth grade a lot. So at that time it was, uh, a lot of magnet schools starting. In our, in our area. So I pretty much applied to a, a art magnet middle school and got accepted into two of them. I picked up Parkville Middle and then it kind of like took off from there where I, I did a four magnets um, to start with, visual graphic arts, mass communications, uh, environmental science and engineering the first year. And then the second year I stuck with uh, visual graphic arts and uh, mass communications. And then my final year I just solely did visual graphic arts. So middle school kind of like really shaped me into my artistry. Hell yeah. That's wild. And uh, if you can remember, why did you um, choose that school over the other one? Uh, it was, it was, I didn't, so, uh, it was closer to my parents' house than the other school was. The other school was Lock Raven Academy, which, um, was also a magnet program. And at the time, I didn't know much about any of these things. You know, I was like in fifth grade, mm -hmm. nine, I was, I was 10. I was just kind of like, cool. You know, but we're driving across town to this school that I might go to that isn't my home school. Because none of these schools are my home school, middle school, you know. Uh, so 
it, it was just closer, I think. I think that's why I wanted to go. I was like, oh, this is a little bit closer to the crib. Uh, and then it just seems more my vibe. Like, you know, I, I, the energy was just seemed just, it just felt right to me. And my, you know, I got into both, so my parents let me pick, and I just like, let's do Parkland. Damn. I think it's awesome that your parents uh, you know, seem to be really supportive, obviously, to uh, kind of let you apply to these other schools and then let you pick. Because I feel like that, that's a really big decision, especially for a fifth grader to make. Yeah, for sure. You know, my uh, my older siblings, they uh, were in private schools or they had did private schools. Uh, and, um, you know, education was really important in my, my, my household. So. My, my mom just kind of wanted to get to it early, especially like middle school, you know, around here, you know, a lot of kids go like Catholic school or something if it's not like your home middle school or some type of private school. So that wasn't really the route my parents wanted to do. And I think uh, the alternative for magnet program was perfect. Okay. And the area you grew up in, have you been in Baltimore your whole life? Uh, so I was born in Hagerstown, which is about, two hours outside of Baltimore, okay. uh, rural Maryland. Um, I'm actually adopted. So at the age of 10, that summer, I moved to Baltimore. And uh, that's how all that started with the art school and stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. And then, you know, living in Hagerstown, uh, it's kind of hard to describe. It's kind of like, you know, farms and trees and kind of mountainy. Uh, for the most part. Uh, so yeah, that, that's a story in itself. I mean, we can get to that, but that's where it kind of divides. Uh, so I, I, you know, I spent fifth through 12th grade in Baltimore. So I, I you know, I lived here most of my life. So I mm -hmm. stayed from Baltimore, but I was born and raised in uh, Ayersown for the first 10 years. Okay. And uh, I guess we should, or do you want to dive into that? Cause I, I, I had no idea you were adopted. That's uh, uh sounds pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, I actually announced it publicly to the world, um, a couple months ago on Instagram. Uh, it's, 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 I don't think it was ever really a secret, mm -hmm. you know, it, like if you knew, you knew, uh, but it wasn't something I was like, go around telling kids like, Hey, I'm adopted. Hey, I'm adopted. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, you know, at, at, you know, I'm 35. So, uh, at this time when it actually happened, it was in sixth grade and, you know, the whole taboo of step kids adopt being adopted or just like those like oh you're a stepkid or like oh you're probably adopted like it was like very taboo growing up and I just didn't want to even be a part of that so I just you know when my name changed in sixth grade it was probably about in October so right around when the school year started but I was still like in a new middle school again I didn't go to my home school so kids just kind of were just like oh whatever they didn't really think too much of it when it changed from uh, Reigns to Moy King. So you're 35 now, and I, I'm sure you, you um, remember that point in your life before you were adopted. Do you think uh, that um, like affected you mentally? Because I, I can't imagine what that would be like. Because I'm um, growing up, like my parents, they actually got divorced when I was, uh, you know, fifth going into sixth grade, and like I, I, I don't know, it's it's kind of weird. Like I wasn't as bummed as I thought I would be because like my dad was like whatever. He wasn't like the best dad, um, mm -hmm. and I, I felt like. I, I was like the, I was the baby of the family. Cause like I have an older sister. So my mom always like paid like a little more like special attention to me. So I, I felt like I had the, a stronger bond with my mom. Cause my dad was always just like somewhere random smoking or just doing other stuff. So uh, when my parents split, it just wasn't like that much different. 
And yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and I feel like, you know, uh, obviously that's like a big thing, getting divorced, separating, moving away, blah, blah, blah. Um, people like would like, you know, kind of fear that that might have like a negative effect on like a little kid. But uh, to be honest, I, 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 I'm, and this is me speaking like, you know, way like later, I don't think it was uh, that bad of a thing because my you know, mom was great. She worked hard and she still works hard, uh, you know, very loving. And then eventually she got remarried and the guy that she remarried with had, uh, my stepdad, quote unquote, but I just call him dad now because he's been around for so long and he was a good guy too. So like, I I know what it was like, you know, I'm worrying about getting like a shitty step parent or something, but it was always just good. And I, I so I always feel like, okay, like maybe that was just, I got lucky. Uh, and it was my view maybe skewed versus like other situations where kids could have gotten like way worse, like when their parents split and maybe got like a bad step parent. So I'm just curious for you, like um, what was it like for you? Like, you know, having to uh, be adopted. Uh, yeah, man. You know, that goes back to, like I said, like uh, the whole, it was kind of taboo, you know, like you hear kids joke just growing up, like, oh, you're probably, you're a stepkid or like, oh, you're not, you might be adopted. And, you know, and so you just hear those things and I'm just like, oh, damn, like I am adopted. Like, so it was just, I was just like, I'm not even going to speak on that. Uh, but, you know, uh, so, you know, my mom just had a lot, my birth mother just had a lot of issues and, um, you know, long story short, just couldn't take care of us. And so, you know, from the time I was born to the time I was 10, I was just in and out of foster care, group homes, and then going back to like living with my mother and back into foster homes or a group home or something like that for like, you know, just years on end. Um, and, you know, I never, I met my real dad a couple of times, but I don't know the guy. And then, um, you know, I did have a stepfather as well in, in, in that life. And um, he was like, not, not really the best person, you know, uh, and I'm like five or six at this point. So I'm fully aware of what's going on, but I'm also like a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't really like think too much about it. I just kind of like live my life, you know, but, uh, you know, things were, were kind of bad actually, you know? And then, um, so we got, that's why I kept getting taken away and then brought back. Cause it was like, my mom was doing good and then wasn't. And then, um, from like, uh, second grade to fourth grade to or like the summer of when I was like about to be in fifth grade I lived with this family um for like the majority of like I want to say my adolescence of where I can actually like remember what's going on you know from a day-to-day and uh it was it was you know it's pretty chill like upstanding black family out in the like royal part of Maryland you know we were only black family in uh the Cobasat you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, both got good jobs and, you know, all the kids in my neighborhood knew I was in foster care, but like no one cared, you know, it was just like, everyone was just like cool and hanging out. Um, we all went to school together. And then uh, it was kind of like around that time where I was like, you know, about to be 10 and looking at, you know, uh, adoption or like other placements. And uh, actually one of the kids in my neighborhood parents wanted to actually adopt me I think and uh but because of, like the race difference because you know I was like the only black kid around uh they just thought it was gonna be like really hard for me like going through that mm-hmm. so they were kind of like it was like one of those conscious things where they thought like it wasn't maybe the best option and then like the you know my mom the parents I'm with now kind of uh found us and we did it up you know uh, it was, it was really hard. And, you know, the, the answer to your question, if it affected me mentally and stuff, 
definitely. But it, it definitely kind of made me the type of person I am where I was in so many situations, like down and out situations to like living with like people who are well off, who are wealthy or better than what I was used to. And then even like with schooling, and it was just it was just crazy, man. It's just like such a such a mix of things, lives that I kind of got the experience at a young age uh, before I even hit, you know, like puberty, you know. And just to be clear, at, at what point did things actually become stable where you actually got adopted? You're like, all right, cool. This is like going to be it. And I'm not going to be going back and forth for, for ever again. Yeah. So it was uh, the summer uh, 95 when I turned 10, uh, we had moved to Baltimore and it was like, you know, the parents I was going to adopt me or the parents that I'm, you know, that I'm with now, uh, it wasn't like you get straight adopted, you know, it's kind of still like a foster care phase where you kind of, you're still like testing the waters. Mm -hmm. uh, adoption wasn't final until I was in sixth grade. So that's when my name changed, you know, uh, like we signed the papers. Cause I was, I'm old enough to like make a decision as well. It was kind of my choice, you know, at one point when I was in Hagerstown, you know, foster care, it's like, Hey, this is the situation. You can either maybe go with these people who want to love you and, take care of you for the rest of your life, or you can kind of just be an orphan or go in and out of foster care. And maybe your mom might get better and be able to take care of you. But, uh, right now it's, that's what it's looking like. So at first I was honestly like, I don't want to do this. I don't, Cause in my head I was like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to be like an adopted kid. I'm, you know, like it was such like a taboo thing that I was like, Oh man, like everyone's gonna make fun of me, you know? So I just kind of like had some hope that maybe things will be better and I'll like have a normal life and my mom will be able to take care of me. But my brother at the time, who was my biological brother was, we were also in the same foster home. And he was like, yo, dude, I'm out. Like, I'm going, like, I, this is like, I just want to be like in a place, you know? And so I kind of like, honestly, like went at first kind of just for him because I didn't want to not be with him. And then, uh, when we made it final, it's kind of like, oh yeah, man, like this is this is something I can get into. Like, all right, these people like care about me. Like, but I'm in, I'm in, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Damn, I, I, I think it's awesome that there's people out there that are, uh, you know, willing to go out there and just show that kind of real love to these kids out there, like in that system, because it, it definitely is a lot to to take on, you know, to. Um, go and like adopt somebody and just because you, you got to think about like all the different like variables that can happen like are you guys even gonna get along like you know a couple of years later like like what's that vibe gonna be like but for them just to you know just be just like true just like unconditional love like yo like no matter what like we're gonna you know be there where your actual family that's like that's so awesome that there's like you know nice and great people out there that are willing to do that because it's like i said it's just a big deal yeah man i'm honestly blessed you know uh my parents are like angels, you know, they, they honestly like gave me a new life. If, if I want to call it that, uh, not to say that like my life to begin with was bad, you know what I mean? Cause it's mm -hmm. like, it is what it is. Like you're a kid, you, you have no control over anything yeah. that happens to you, you know, you're brought into this world and it is what it is. So, uh, yeah, man, I, you know, it was like one of those things where it's just like, man, I, like, I kind of didn't even honestly up until like, you know, recently I I think about it and I'm like, damn, man, like, that's crazy. Like, I really got like a reset. And if, if it's not too personal, like, do you still communicate with your mom 
your biological mom, excuse me? No, uh, I don't. Um, I think recently she reached out and I just didn't have like the energy to really have that conversation yet. Okay. Uh, so it will happen eventually. At one point I, I didn't even like care. I was just like, whatever, like it is what it is. Like, you know, angry that, you know, that's where all my teenage angst came from, you know, at one point when I started to realize like what really went down and like, you know, what my life was kind of was really confusing because I couldn't, it was like, I was mad because of what had happened. But then I was like, man, I'm really in like a blessed situation now though. So I can't be too mad, you know? So it was like one of those things where I went back and forth for a long time when I was probably like middle school. And then by like high school, I just never thought about it. And then from then on, I was just kind of like, if she, if it comes around, like we'll talk, but it was never really like something I thought about because like, I'd always just consider it my, my adopted parents, like my parents now. Mm-hmm. Damn. All right. That, that's deep, man. I, I had no idea, yeah, that, but, <laughs> but, but I'm happy that you were able to, you know, just make it out. Cause I, I know there's, um, you know, tons of stories where kids just kind of get lost in the system and then get too old to, to, to be there. And that, that, that's like really sad to, to think about. Yeah. And it's honestly, um, like I said, I never really used to talk about it ever mm-hmm. unless you like, really knew me, but I, just for that reason, like you said, I kind of felt like, damn, man, like I'm okay. Like I, like a lot of people, you know, growing up in like therapy and stuff, it was like, I don't know, man, this kid got a lot going on. Like who, who knows? But like, I honestly like made it out. All right. So I, I kind of like felt like I needed to tell people because I know there's like, even if like step kids getting adopted by their step parents or like any type of like, just group homes, foster care, like whatever, like so many more people go through it. And I think they're like kind of scared to talk about it. So I was like, man, let me just be like one of those people who like actually talks about it because it might help someone else. hundred percent. You could be that, like that beacon of hope or light that, you know, kind of uh, gives people hope and not really stay down and out or even, you know, might even like want to reach out and just have a conversation about it. You know, that could yeah. just change somebody's like whole perspective. Yep. Yeah. Cause you know, like, not to say that like kids come out of those situations like messed up, but, mm-hmm. or, or not, but you know, a lot do. And uh, a lot of kids think there isn't like any hope or that they're not going to be like looked at as normal because they're so embarrassed. Because again, it's like, you like, yo, like in my head, I was like, damn man, like if you think about it, the situation is so messed up. Like, I don't want anyone judging me off of that, that I don't even really have anything. It's not, wasn't under my control. Mm-hmm. That's why I kind of like just never really told people because a lot of people can be judging. And I just like didn't want that to be the reason why someone like thought whatever about me, even though like I know now today that that's not really how some people's brains work. But growing up as a kid, it was just like, I'd rather not. No, I, I totally get that, man. I, I remember, um, up until I got bullied in middle school, I was always so concerned with like, man, I hope people like me. I hope like I have a, a bunch of friends. But when I, it came to this point where um, there's this girl, she was super mean and um, they, they made fun of me because I played video games and watched anime. And I kind of took a step back and I was like, yo, there's no way I'm going to give up those two things just because uh, these kids don't like it or don't understand it. I was like, if if I have to be a loser 
to enjoy these things, then so be it. Like, there's no way that I'm going to stop playing Crash Bandicoot or watching, you know, Pokemon or Sailor Moon or any of that. Uh, it, it was just like that. That's what meant way more to me than like having these uh, people like think that I'm cool or want to be my friend. Like at, at that point, I kind of accepted like, OK, if they're not going to like me for the things that I enjoy, that's fine. I'm going to just kind of do my own thing and um, I'll figure out I'll find friends eventually at some point, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. What, what age were, were you when it happened? I was like in the sixth grade. So I was like, yeah, man, had yeah. Like 12, I, feel like, yeah. I feel like that says a lot about a person, you know, to be that young and kind of say like, you know what? F it. Like, fuck it. Like I'm, I'm going to do me, man. I, I'm not really with whatever you guys are trying to do. Cause that you, like, you already know that like, Hey, this is something that makes me happy and com- I'm comfortable with this for whatever reason. You're not, you're picking on me, but cool like i'd rather not even be a part of it then you know that's cool yeah like they could have attacked anything else about me and i would have been like oh shit all right like i gotta change that but they went straight to these things that i loved but they didn't right. realize like how much i actually loved it so <laughs> so yeah so it was kind of like this weird like you know like all right cool like i'm glad that they were all like super mean to me because I, I i was lucky enough to figure it out early because dude i i talk to people to this day that aren't comfortable in their own skin and that makes me so sad because i can't explain to them that if people don't like you or fuck with you for who you actually are, then like, what's the point? Like, why do you want those people around you? But just some people just don't get it. And I'm like, all right, like, I don't know how to explain it to you, but you got to figure it out. That's my whole life story. man. My whole career has been that exactly what you just said for better, for worse. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm curious where and you mentioned your career, where do you think um, your like music career started? Like when did you start getting into uh, playing instruments and wanting to uh, create like this artistic um, vision? So, uh, you know, like growing up in a black household, you're always going to church. It's like for most kids, most people of color, it's not, a, it's not a choice. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't religious. You know, at a young age, I was like, yeah, I'm not with this. But I, your parents are like, you're getting up, you're going to church, mm-hmm. you're sitting in a pew, you're going to Sunday school. You know, it is what it is. So uh, my mom made me join the choir in church. So I was just like, oh, man, I got to sing these hymns and stuff. But like, whatever, like, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like learned how to sing or at least know that I was like baritone and bass, you know. And then uh, high school. uh I was in guitar class. I signed up for guitar class. So w- rewind to sixth grade. I'm in, you know, I'm in magnet school. It, I feel like I'm a cool kid because I'm like, I'm going to a school that's special. I'm like one of the only black kids there. It's new and I'm just like killing it. And then, you know, with going to a school like that, I was also kind of um, introduced to like music that I, I don't think I would necessarily be introduced to if I was just going to my home school. Maybe I would have, but I don't know. And, you know, being in these, these like art programs, you know, meeting weirdos at like, you know, sixth grade. So I'm like, you know, I'm finding out about like 311 and corn and everything alternative, you know, Jankos are in uh, Prodigy, just radio rock, you know what I mean? Um, and then, so that was always just like, oh man, I'm into this, like whatever that my parents listen to cool but i'm into this like this is like i feel I, whatever these weirdos and the angst I, I felt it to like the core so um i just took a liking to like all that stuff and then uh i didn't really get into music until my parents got me uh for christmas one year i got i got some cassettes i got no doubt tragic kingdom uh a green day cassette 
and Dookie and then um, a Spice Girls. So I wanted like all, like I wanted all three of those, which was, you know, my parents were kind of like, oh, what, what is this? But my sister luckily was into art and theater and she was uh, going to Sarah Lawrence at the time. So she kind of like got my parents hip. And then from there, man, it just like took off. I was uh 10th grade. I'd start taking guitar classes in, in uh, high school. And I also started taking a stand-up bass classical for orchestra. And then, uh, that's what all started. But I had a guitar two years before that, an acoustic, but I didn't know how to play it. I didn't know any chords. I didn't know nothing. I would just strum and like use the record play button on the tape player I got for Christmas and like just record like weird emo, whatever I was doing, just like whatever. My parents just was like, cool, we're rocking with it. Um, guitar class, I met this kid, Jeff. He gave me a starting line CD. He's like, yo, like you like all this stuff. We're probably like this. It's not really like on the radio or anything, but you know, it's like the used and whatever. And I'm like, all right, cool. I love the used. Like, let's go. Like Lincoln Park bet. And so he gave me a starting line CD that he had got from this girl he was dating. You know, I took that home. Yeah, I didn't want to give it back to him. It like, it like, it literally changed my life in a way that I was like, damn, there's even more music that I don't know about that's like not easily to find. Like. So I'm like looking at the back of the, the, the starting line shit, like, oh, Bayside, like, what's all this? You know what I mean? And then this is like uh, 2002, 2003, I'm 11th and 12th grade. So I just dug in and this, luckily there was a radio station called 99.1 HFS. They had like corn 311, like that whole vibe. And then 98 Rock had like all like the Metallica and stuff. You know, I wasn't really like into the metal yet. I was like pop punk, emo, punk punk, you know, like, and that type of stuff. I didn't even know about Straight Edge or any of that stuff yet. I was just like, yo, whatever this music is, I'm rocking with it. Yes, I like rap and pop music, but this is what I'm really gravitating to. So I'm, I'm curious, those early years in high school, um, or not early years, I'm uh, high school, sorry, like the early years in the early 2000s, I'm just starting high school. You're like at the tail end of high school. Uh, what was uh, the vibe like when it comes to like MySpace? Because I found out about it like freshman year of high school, and that's what kind of yeah. kind of changed the All whole right. game for me when it comes to music, because I was able to find out about so much more stuff versus before when I would consume um, everything on MTV, BET, VH1, but once I had access to the internet and MySpace, it was just like, holy shit, like, I don't care about what's on TV. I want to know, like, you know, about, like, what's the hardcore bands going on, like, in Southern California? What's this record label drive through records about? Like, I was just diving, I was going everywhere, and it was all thanks to MySpace. So I'm curious, like, what it was like for you, because you were a little bit older, so for me, um, you know, I was just, like, young and just trying to figure it out, but I feel like for you, you were, like, a little more developed, so, like, what was it like for you at that time? Yeah, man. So it's funny because, all right, so 11th grade, 12th grade, and even before that, like I, like I said, since 6th grade, I was always just on some like alt shit. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, graduate, you know, everything like, again, like there's bands like Armor for Sleep and all that stuff that are, are just coming out, but I don't know about that yet. Mm -hmm. So I'm still on like the U's, Lincoln Park. Uh, maybe like the highs and like white stripes, just everything that was popular. Like I said, once I got that storyline thing, I was like, yo, what's this? Okay, let me dig into this world. Um, 
graduated high school, and then MySpace was big, but I didn't have a MySpace because I was just like anti, I was like too cool. Okay. You know, I was like, I don't want to be on it, whatever, it's dumb. It's not, ah, I'm punk, ugh. So uh, the kid Jeff that I was uh, in guitar class with, mm-hmm. we started a band called Dead Above Ground. Two of our members, these two twins, Jake and Josh, were still in high school when we started the band, my bass player and drummer. So they were on MySpace and stuff. And they were like super seen, you know what I mean? Like I met them at the mall. I was working at Hot Topic at the time. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, I had just started the idea of the band with my homies, but they weren't really good at instruments. So they came along and they were like, yo, I play drums. I play uh, bass. And there are two twins and they were like, oh, I can play all the Poison the Well album. Like, and I was like, bet you're in a band. I didn't even ask them if they could really play it or like prove it to me. I was like, oh, you can play that? Come on through. This is where we're practicing. So we all meet up and like, ironically, they lived in my neighborhood kind of. So we were like, cool, we got a band going on. So we started practicing a lot and uh, we got really good, man. And uh, they were on MySpace all the time. So like our first show, I'm like, whatever, like, you know, I know we're good, but like, we're like a metalcore band. Um, but I didn't think like people knew about it because all we did was rehearse and I'm not in high school anymore. So like, mm-hmm. I have friends and stuff, but you know, I'm just like, I'm just like, uh, you know, like uh, doing my own thing. And then uh, so I'm like doing my own thing. And uh, I guess because I'm working at the mall, hot topic, like people know who I am. You know what I mean? And I'm like, this is a, this is a time where like, you know, there's again, there's not too many men of color like in these scenes or spaces. I got snake bites. Like, I got the Dickies on with the Converse and, like, some weird, like, vintage shirt, like, like on some, like, jackass, like, vibes, Johnny Knoxville. I was, like, channeling that, like, vibe, you know what I mean? And then um, uh, they're like, yo, first show, sold out. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, yo, this festival is sold out, this church. And uh, I get there, and it's, like, my space, you know what I mean? Like, kids with, like, seen hair. And it's just crazy. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And we're like in the basement of this church. And like, again, you know, like I had no idea that this scene even existed. You know, mm-hmm. I was just in a band and I was just like, okay, we're going to play a show. There's plenty of kids in like bands, local bands, whatever. Um, and then, so that's how MySpace kind of got into my life. And my, actually my bandmates made me a MySpace because I was just like, no. And they're like, dude, we're like popping you need a MySpace, like you're the singer. Uh, and then, you know, at this time, we're, like we're playing with bands like Bernie Rosewood, All Time Low, uh, Boy Crazy. But then we're also playing with like metalcore bands like Carol, which is like a band that Sam and Justice from Trap Under Ice was in. And all these other like, all types of bands. So we were like this band from the area I was in that was, got really popular really fast. We were really well rehearsed. We were playing with the, the boy bands, but we were also playing with the metal kids. And we were also playing like everything in between. And MySpace is the reason because of it. it like blew up because of MySpace, like locally. That's so insane. And uh, so that show at the church, was that your guys' first show? I was like one of our first shows, man. And everyone was just like, from there, jaw drop every other weekend for years. We're, we're playing shows. For, for like two years, yeah, we're playing shows like every weekend. 
like two, three shows, like all over Maryland too, not just Baltimore. So like a lot of these kids were just playing in the area they were in. Uh-huh. We were going to like out an hour out, two hours out, where just in Maryland still, but all these different collective scenes. And you know, we're in Baltimore, so everyone's always looking in at Baltimore and wants to play Baltimore. And at that time, you know, it's like, well, why don't we go to like Montgomery County? Why don't we go to Hagerstown? Why don't we go to Frederick? Like, why don't we go play in Kate? Like, it didn't matter to us. We just, we were went where anyone asked us to play and it was always like popping. So we just felt good about ourselves as a band because we we're like, damn, all these kids from all over the place want to see us play. We're getting paid. This wasn't a lot of money, but like, and we knew we were good. Like we wanted to be like rock stars, you know what I mean? And like for your, this was, this was all of our first band. So like, to be in your first band and be kind of like popping, it was just like, whoa, this is doable. This is, this might, we might be able to do this. I think that term that you use uh, a boy band is pretty funny. Cause, uh, cause I'm assuming you're referring to like the bands like all time low and that same band. Yeah, they were all boy bands, but we weren't really a boy band. We were like a metalcore band with breakdowns, but we had melodies, but we also like had well-written music. So it kind of like, again, it was, it was in that phase where like people didn't really know, what they wanted to claim yet. You know what I mean? So everyone was just kind of like mingling with everyone at this point in, in the scene. Um, and yeah, it just kind of like people just gravitated it to it. And, and we put on a hell of a show. When I think of boy bands, I, I think of like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and like, cause I, I love all time low. I, uh, you know, seen them, um, uh, like a lot in like the early days, uh, like all the way up to, um, uh, so wrong. It's right. But after that album, I got, I got lost. But um, uh, but but yeah, but it's just funny to hear that because I I could totally yeah like I when you say boy band and I think of them like yeah that totally fits like I I don't disagree with it so I, I think that's just so funny because I've never thought of them in that way but now that you're saying it I'm just like thinking like okay these other bands would definitely fall under that term as well so it's just like really funny to me that you mentioned that term. Yeah, I mean I low key love boy bands like Instinct mm-hmm. love that shit. Uh, their first album itself title self-titled first album and then no strings attached genius backstreet boys my wife and i love that you know i love pop i love all types of music so um when i say boy band i just mean like uh the charisma the way they carry themselves the way they dress like the the hey i'm going to purposely iron my hair straight so that it looks nice you know what i mean like that's some boy band shit like Mm -hmm. even like some hardcore bands can technically be boy bands because like, to me, it's like all about, when I say boy band, it's like the presentation of this piece or, or, or group. Um, and most boy bands are well put together. So like when I say boy band, it's just more like a well put together band that most likely everyone's attractive and uh, that it is what it is, you know? <laughs> it, it's not it's not really a bad thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I, my homies are soul blind, like they're a boy band to me, like, you know what I mean? Like, whatever like it, it, it's, it's just like a kind of like like a it, it's like a it's like a separation where like you know you, it's not a rugged metalhead you know it's not mm-hmm. you know it's like you, you know there's th- there's a lot there's some thought put into this about the presentation that's all and I'm so curious about your first band uh, for you guys to have that mentality that you're willing to go and play with all different types of bands and not just kind of you know put yourself in a box uh, was that because you guys just wanted to have a broader audience or you guys just wanted to play as many shows as you could? I think that was a mix between both in the fact that since day one, when I got into music, I was like, yo, I'm not in it for no cool guy shit. I'm just trying to play music to anyone and everyone who wants to hear it. And 
uh, at that point I'd had noticed like kids were like, oh, I don't want to play with them because of this and that, or like this hardcore band wouldn't play, want to play with these kids because like they wear tight jeans and girl pants or like, like it was just off the top and too early into like the, my career. I realized that like, okay, yeah, we're, this is all like a sub scene. So like, even though all this community stuff is being preached, I, I already see it being divided already. So I was just like, I don't want to be a part of that. Like, let's just do it for whoever wants to like take it in. And for a while it worked out, but then, you know, as we got more popular, um, you know, it happened to us too, where, you know, certain members in the band were like, nah, I don't want to play with them and so forth. But by then we were already in the mix that it didn't, it didn't matter. And, and I guess they were right. Like, you know, when you get to a certain point, you don't want to play every show. I'm always down to play almost every show. That's like something that I work with. <laughs> so what happened? The you guys are sounds like you guys are doing really good. Uh, yeah, man. I, you know, just like too much, too soon, too fast. We didn't have any management partying too much. Okay. Uh, like the one of the guitar players that started the band, um, him and I got into a falling out, and then we had a auditioned a new guitar player, uh, mm-hmm. this guy Clippa, and he filled in for uh, Jeff for like the rest of the leg of our band. But um, it just just kind of like fickled out. They had, they had started to get into like heavier type bands that we were always into, but I guess they wanted to like play that type of music. And again, we were kind of looked at as like a metalcore band, but kind of like in the boy band world too, because again, like we were well rehearsed and just how we presented ourselves. Like it, at one point, I think like some of the members was like, I want to be like edgier or punkier or or whatever it might've been like, you know, crustier. Uh, So like, it is kind of figured out. Um, Clippa started doing Trapped Under Ice. Uh, Jake and Josh started doing Surroundings. And then Ida started, uh, kind of like that's when I kind of like took the role over just booking a whole bunch of shows and managing bands, but like didn't even know I was managing them at the time. Mm-hmm. Then I kind of like started this thing called Isaac Shane, where it was just like, yo, I'm booking the shows. I had a clothing line, I had like certain bands that wore the clothing line and BMX riders and skateboarders. And that was all like a jock off of like Johnny Cupcake and stuff, where I was like, oh, these dudes are like doing clothing lines and like, to like what's that to like love right on our to write love on our arms and stuff like that and like I, uh, I remember that glamour kills like all these myspace like clothing line things that i saw and i was like oh cool this is how kids are doing it like bam like i can do this in baltimore and then the, so the band then kind of bummed me out because uh, i knew our potential and what we could have did so i was like oh man like that's gonna take a while to get back together to even be in a band so like and i always had this hope that we would get back together even though we never did so I just kind of like started booking bands and putting on shows and just being involved in music some other way because now that I had, had the taste of like doing all this DIY stuff, I was just like, kind of like, I was like, this is where I need to be. It's so funny that you mentioned uh, Glamour Kills. I, I just want to say Glamour Kills, I owned a pair of their jeans and one of the best pairs I've ever owned. And I'm not sure if like it was like, you know, stuff that they actually, you know, made themselves or if they just like, you know, cut and sewed their tags, but it was seriously like one of the like best pairs of jeans I've ever owned. So yeah, all that old stuff was kind of made pretty well, actually. It wasn't until it got mass produced that it kind of lost its quality and became a little corny, but I, I can believe that I used to have these two pairs of Levi's 
that I got from uh, Pac Sun. They were like two for fifty five, and they were so nice. Like the material was just nice. They lasted me like three years. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to go get another pair, it was totally different, and I was like. Same I, pair, but like just wasn't made as nicely. I just want to say I own a pair of Fashion Nova jeans and they're not <laughs> but they're not that great. I was I was really bummed because I feel like I got suckered by all these people that I uh, follow on Instagram and Twitter and they're promoting this Fashion Nova stuff. So I dove in, bought a pair of jeans and they didn't last that long. I'm like, jeans shouldn't be done this quick. So be be wary if you order Fashion Nova. Yeah, you can only do that for like the club babe stuff, you know, <laughs> the little cute outfit for the, the lady. I don't think it's, I don't think their stuff's meant to like be durable. For sure. Uh, I think it's kind of like a look, like I'm going out tonight, mm-hmm. I'm going to wear these jeans that might last next week, but right now they're popping. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I, I'm curious. Uh, you, you mentioned um, management, and I, I know uh, in like the hardcore space, when people uh, hear that term, like you know, bands with managers or like booking agents, things can get kind of weird. And I've experienced that. Uh, I you know, doing the podcast, there was actually uh, somebody that I really wanted on the podcast, and they, uh, you know, um, they're all right, cool. If you want me on the podcast, you have to you know handle it through my uh, my booking agent. I was like, oh, this is weird because I'm just, you know, little old Jamie RK podcast. I didn't realize I'd have to deal with a booking agent. And it was like, it was kind of a hassle too because uh, we we switched dates so many times and we're going back and forth. And I was like, wow, I was like, I feel like they're giving me the runaround. But eventually we got the podcast done. Uh, the guy was actually really great, like one of my favorite podcasts ever. Uh, but I, I know that can be kind of like a turnoff. So uh, and you mentioned you manage bands. So do you think that is like an important aspect when it comes to like our space when it, like in the music scene? I mean, when I say manage, it was just to the point where it's like, like I said, I didn't realize I was managing these bands. I would hit my homies like, yo, y'all practicing today? What do you mean not practicing, boy? Yo, get the guitar, get the drummer, get it popping. Y'all are good. Like, come on, let's go. Like, I'm rooting for you. Like, what do you need? Like, I'm hyping you up. Mm-hmm. Like, you're my homie. Like, I'm not in a band, so like I'm living through you. Go, go, go. And then like it was like a lot, you know, I would say like three or four of my friend groups that were like in bands. I'm like, yo, you practice like again, are you practicing? Like I'm coming through, you are practicing. Like, oh, you need a show? I can book a show because at this point I was working um at the auto bar, which is in Baltimore, and um they were like letting me book whatever show I wanted to. Not only was I a staff member, but I was also like a booking agent. You know, I didn't really consider myself a booking agent. Like, you know, when I look back at all of it, it's kind of funny because I was doing so much, but only out of the love of, for the, of the music in, in my town. So I was booking like five, six shows a month, um, you know, not even with ticket sales. It's like just off the strength that the venue knew I was going to bring people mm-hmm. uh, when I put together these events. So that's why I say when I was managing people like where I was just it was me, man. Like, you know, and it was also like the, it was like I was booking hardcore bands, but I wasn't. I wasn't really pressed on the hardcore scene because at that point, like it was like, you know, it was such a small scene and hardcore was like, kind of like, I was just like, man, like this is getting kind of like brutal. Like I'm not having fun. Like kids are like getting hit at shows and like in a way that's like, to me, not ethical because, you know, yeah, we're moshing and we're having fun, but eh, I wouldn't do that. And if some of my homies were here who weren't into this, saw you doing that, you'd probably get smacked up. So I had to like take myself out of it. But other than that, it was like, oh damn, there's more than hardcore though. And none of these kids were getting booked because hardcore was so big in Baltimore that like, it was like everything else was just like, 
no one cares, you know? So I was like, all right, let me, let me be the guy that like reaches out to the emo band or to like the metalcore band or to like the, the ambient band to whatever else in like maybe a hardcore band might play the show, but like, I just want to help y'all out and get y'all on this, this stage. And also the auto bar is like the venue here at the time. And even to this day. So like, it just made everyone feel good. And I was just like uplifting the scene. Do you ever think of just kind of maybe having like one like united music scene where you could have like these mixed bills? Like, what was that a possibility? That was that's to this day. That's been my dream. That's why I, I feel like I can say that I've worked with so many worked and played with so many artists because I never cared about the genre or what they did. I was just like, yo, my homie, we're here. Let's we make music. Let's just play it on, on the stage. And to this day, so many kids are like. Even with like the eulogy project, it's like, yeah, but it's like, nah, it don't matter, dude. Like, this is this is go rock it out. Um, and so it's a toss up. Yeah, I, I know a lot of my friends uh, when they would see like mixed bills because they weren't like super familiar with like the the citizens or the turnovers or the man overboards. And when they would see these bands on these hardcore bills, they would you know start huffing and puffing and be like, why the fuck are these uh, pop punk bands playing like this show? And I'm like, OK, first of all, you got to realize that there's like, you know, these scenes are, you know, closely um, related people. There's so much crossover. And for me, it, that was a treat. I'm like, oh, shit, I get to go to this show, see some of my favorite pop punk bands. And then I get to go off for the hardcore bands afterwards or even before. Uh, and that's what I was always into because I was like, cool, I don't have to go to two different shows to get this one experience. And uh, a, a lot of people, I feel like uh, I guess I, I don't really see the value in what a mixed bill can bring because y- you realize you could be introducing kids to different types of music that they would have never even listened to because if they're going strictly to hardcore shows or strictly to pop punk shows, they wouldn't hear it and see it or experience it. And, you know, I feel like that vibe is uh, what can turn people on way easier than somebody, you know, booting up Spotify or going to like a band camp or something. If, if they're there and they get that raw experience, it's a, it's a whole different thing. And I, I, that, I feel like that's where uh, the value in a mixed bill um, is, is uh, just bringing everybody together in this one space and just kind of letting everybody kind of, uh, experience not only one type of music just like all different kinds yeah i mean i was always a firm believer that you know when i would go to like any type of show not just hardcore like and it's just one type of band i'm like but this is not what we listen to at least not me like this doesn't represent like my ipad or my ipod Mm -hmm. at the moment you know what i mean like i'm listening it's the shuffles crazy so I was like, I think our shows should represent that because also there were so many kids that I realized that were interested in shows, but hardcore was just too much for them at that time uh, because it was so violent that it just turned them off immediately. You know, like in Baltimore, a lot, dude, the mosh year was crazy when I was going to come up. You know what I mean? Like that, like, you know, once like, you know, Stout and bands like that were always like heavy and like on some like tough shit, but like, I think Baltimore always had a love for this, like the two-step and mosh anyway, just like the, just the art of it. You know what I mean? But then once you like mix some like tough guy shit into it and then like the energy of like adolescence and testosterone and whatever, it's just, it is starting to get into like a brawl. And um, I don't know, man. I just feel like, I don't know. It's, it's, I just had to like facilitate for it for other people because it was again I, I wanted i wanted everyone to come together uh on these bills but um you know 
it got to the point where girls were like, I'm not coming. I'm going to get punched in the head. And I'm like, oh, man, that's not the vibe. You know, uh, hardcore is not about that. Like, everyone's welcome. So I was just trying to, like, be the middleman that, like, kind of, like, bridged this with that. And, you know, hey, if you want to go to that show, it might be a little tougher. But uh, as far as, like, crowd participation, but, you know, uh, you'll be good. So. All right. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that. It. It is uh, something that I would like totally enjoy to to see more mixed bills, uh, but but I get it. A lot of people yeah. don't, don't want to um, intermingle, and then there's always like yeah, I, I, there's always way more drama at mixed shows because obviously the not not the, the different audiences that show up don't understand like both sides. Yeah, yeah. So uh, hopefully, I don't know. That, I love a mixed show. I love a mixed show. That's that's I love a mixed bill more than anything. Like you said, I think it. Cause in my head, I was always like, Oh, if I bring these kids over with these kids and these kids are with these kids, then they'll all see that they're kind of doing the same thing. And then now maybe I don't have to be the person that puts them to brings them together. They can hit each other up now that they know that these people exist. Cause it, it was kind of like everyone's living in their own world. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I was going to a lot of shows and I wouldn't see the same people at all these different shows. I was just, I would see the same group of kids with, within this scene and that scene and that scene and that scene, but it never really crossed over. So when I booked shows, my whole goal was always to make them play together, even though they probably never would. Uh, so that's always definitely been my thing. And then at that time, I was always uh, in a new band called The Defect, which was like alternative youth crew, hardcore-y, hardcore type vibes. So we were kind of out here too, but I was also I was just doing so much that it kind of fickled in with um, everything else I was doing. Because I was also running like a dance party <laughs> like on Friday night. So it's just like I was transitioning from just like doing these shows and being in a hardcore band to like just trying to facilitate everything as a scene because I, I saw I had this vision. And are you still booking shows to this day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't book shows as much. Um, it's such a hassle and, and really stressful. Uh, but I, I have this I started this thing called well, it used to be called Isaac Shane Fest. And I did like five of them before I moved to New York in 2000. 10 and then uh when i moved back 2015 i started this thing called isaac shane i mean future fest mm-hmm. so it's pretty much like we just been talking about like i would just kind of like not scout but just kind of like see who was doing a lot as far as music and artistry and kind of like be like hey man I-, I feel like you're up and coming you got a lot going on future fest like i'm going to put all all these people onto a bill that's uh busting their ass for the past year playing as many shows they can, trying to get their name out. I'm just going to put you guys all on a bill so the whole city knows what's up. And so that's kind of like been my like baby for the past three, four years. That's awesome. I'm I two of them. I wanted to do one in 20, 2020, but uh, obviously I it's couldn't do it. So rough it's, it's on the back burner. I, I really want more help. Um, last year we had like Soul Blind and Moonflower and uh, this guy Soda who rocks with ASAP Ant. ASAP Ant was there. Uh, I played just just a whole bunch of different types of bands and artists. And again, just, you know, I, I know about all of them. They might not know about all of them, but a lot of hardcore kids like rappers. But so I'm like trying to like push that more into the scene. Like, yo, throw some rappers on the bill, bro. Like two or three in the mix. Easy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to push that. And that, that's been the vibe though for Future Fest, just like up and coming bands. I kind of want to branch it out too to like California and other places 
in New York. Um, so we're working on it. We're, we just need to find the right team and who's down for the movement. Yeah, I, I, I like that idea because there's always new bands uh, popping up and sometimes bands don't really get the love because uh, promoters or whatever don't want to really take the chance on somebody new. So somebody like you who's doing a fest like that, that that's what like the, the focus is. That could be a game changer for, for, for people out there because all it takes is like one person to give them a shot to get in front of some people. And then boom, like their whole like trajectory is like way different versus like if they just all got no's because, you know, nobody wants to put on a new band that isn't like in like, you know, the inner circle of like people, you know, because, you know, people are like, just like clicks and stuff, which is like, I, I get it. Um, that's normal. But uh, for you to want to just give a shot just to these people who are up and coming and you know putting in work, I, I, I think that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, I, I realized that that's like why I'm here, at least for like now in, in, in the, the part that I play, because everyone has a role, you know, and um it's, it's kind of like for the outcasts in a way you know like even though we're all outcasts it's like we're the outcast like the outcast of the outcast so like you know um but yeah it, like you said it sometimes it just takes that one person to see you or hear your music and um, i'm a firm believer that that will to this word of mouth and live shows will always changes um a band's projective uh or projectory. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I get it. That, that's a big part of why I, I do this podcast is I just want to help, you know, people spread the word about um, what they're doing. Cause uh, first and foremost, whoever I have on, I'm a fan. I listen to the music or I, I follow what they're doing and I want to support it. So I want to have people come on and, you know, just talk about what they're doing and just put it out there just to, um, you know, help a little bit or help out a lot, just whatever I can. Cause uh, I, I feel like that's the least I could do. Cause obviously like uh, going to shows, streaming the music buying records merch whatever that's i feel like that's pretty standard so to to do more than your 10 percent and just to try to give back I, I feel like that's really important so this is like you know my contribution and uh, you know I, I'm, I'm very happy that i'm able to do this and people are you know down to you know fuck with the vibe and come on and uh, do the podcast because it's, it's just me i'm trying to put them on yeah man i honestly again i appreciate you reaching out i uh it's funny because I, I love listening to podcasts especially for like musicians and artists it, it's i just love hearing the backstories it's always makes me uh, understand the music so much more sometimes uh mm -hmm. just hearing like where this person's coming from uh and even with your podcast i'm like oh i, I listen to someone's story and i'm like oh that okay i get it you know uh it's it's just cool to hear like uh people kind of like have conversation like record it and put online you know what i mean it's uh especially when it's in depth about their life. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy that, too, because I love talking like I, I could talk forever. So when I, I you know get in the situation where I, I'm like, all right, cool, like, I get to sit down with these people who I've been a fan of or people who I'm just like, all right, cool. I, I, I like their music, but I don't know anything about them. Like this is my chance to get to pick their brain and and I know that I'm not the only person out there that uh, has these questions or want to know these things about um, these people. So it's just like, you know, I'm just kind of like a vessel for everybody out there that's interested as well. Yeah, man. I love the consistency. Keep it up. Thank you. Um, okay. So I uh, want to ask you um, about uh, eulogy first um, before we get to drip. Um, uh, I'm curious, like where was like the birth of that um, project? Cause I, I find it really interesting. Uh, yeah, so I came up with Eulogy when I was living in New York around like 2014. And I was kind of going through some like weird headspace of living in that city mm -hmm. because I had moved there and kind of like left 
all the stuff I was doing in Baltimore behind to like pursue some like not even pursue like something, but just to like prove to myself that I could do anything anywhere. And uh, I was just having like a lot of like uh, love and hate with Baltimore in the scene because again, I was trying to bring it all together and it just wasn't happening. And I realized that, oh, a city like New York where everyone's like accepting and like you hear about it's the melting pot. I was like, let me just bump up there and see if I can get this popping. Um, I was in this band called Normally Important at the time. Uh, which was a part of like the collective letter racer with Rat King and Show Me the Body at, at that time. Mm -hmm. Show Me the Body was involved. And then um, I was playing drums in this band and we were just doing our thing, kind of got big, but then we broke up. Rat King got huge. Mm -hmm. They broke up. Show Me the Body like left the collective and kind of started Corpus and their own thing. And they're like killing it right now. Um, and then I was kind of just like, again, like, damn, like I did all this and now I'm like left with like square run, you know what I mean? And I'm in a foreign city and I was like, oh, and everyone was like at home, like, dude, no one's booking shows anymore. Like it all fell apart when you left, at least what I was a part of, you know what I mean? Um, and then like some people had capitalized on me leaving by like using some of my like blueprint to start their own thing. And just like, you know, it kind of made me frustrated because I always saw myself as like an entrepreneur or a businessman, even though I didn't have like, it didn't, it never really seemed legit. You know what I mean? So I was just in New York and then I was in another project called Animal and we had just got asked to go to like California and play this show with like City and Color and like all these big bands and like my bandmate didn't really know about any of that and he didn't want to do it. And I'm just like, yo, I'm done. I'm starting my solo. Like I can't keep being all this stuff. And it just gets to a point where it's done when I know we have the potential to like do this fully. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to, you want it done right. Do it by yourself. Eulogy. I kept, I was like, man, I'm going to die. And like, no one's going to like know about like what I had to say or like, you know, I was on like my basket shit. I was like, Oh, like just like, I have so much to say and show. Like if, if once person just saw me and understood, then the rest would get it. So like, I was like thinking about dying and just like, oh, New York is just like, like it's killing me. Like it's, I love it here, but like FOMO is real, but also I don't care about any of this stuff. And like, just the like, the money, the this like money there. It's just like, you're literally like next to like millionaires, you know what I mean? And I'm like paying my rent in Bushwick with my, I don't wanna say crappy job because I had a pretty, decent like job at this restaurant but just like oh like how how is this even possible you know just it just i don't mean, you know like i said i grew up in hagerstown which is like farm and woods and shit so i was kind of like a country boy at heart but like i love the city so i was just like man i'm gonna die <laughs> like not because i was sick or anything i was just like just like going through it in my head like what is going on like what what is even any of this you know and i was like i was like oh, i'm gonna die and like no one's gonna like know like anything about like what I had to say or about how I feel about any of this. And then I started writing for eulogy. It started off as like this weird, like folky, like emo, like project that is not online, but I can send it to you if you want it. And then from there, I was just like, you know what? I've been in all these bands. I've been managing bands. I've been managing like weekly parties. I've been working at venues. I've been helping other kids like do this and that. Like 
why don't I just put all this energy into me and like something that like that's me and like just what I love like I mean I love helping everyone else but like I'm kind of wearing myself thin when it comes to my own creative process so and what I'm capable of so like I was just like you know all me I'm gonna do something that's like hardcore but it's also like pop and punk but it's also like no one's done it and and it doesn't matter if you like it because it's going to be so dope that all the right people get it so I, I was just like in my head you know and i love kanye and i love like the cockiness of rappers and i also love like the like showmanship of musicians and like just how like people are when they get on stage and plug in their amps and like set up their guitar and tune like it's all such a vibe of energy and i wanted to capture that with eulogy and I, I wanted it to be a band and I was like, yo, I was really into like Bring Me Horizon at the time. Granted, I listened to all types of music, punk, hardcore, whatever, but this how Bring Me Horizon was doing it. I was like, yo, these kids used to be on some deathcore shit and they just switched it up and it's like kind of ill and like, yeah, I, I can see why people don't like it, but for what they're doing, this shit's crazy. And I was, I was listening to like uh, Travis Scott. Like, sorry, that's my dog. It's all good, it's all good. <laughs> So I was listening to like Travis Scott too, and like Jesus had just came out, and like, and I'm like, I'm like, uh, I'm living in New York, and I'm like, I'm not like doing bad, so I'm kind of like feeling myself, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, okay, it's all good. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I'm kind of feeling myself, and I'm like, yo, like, yo, this is gonna be it. I said, I just, I just kept saying in my head, I was like, this is going to be what like sets me apart from everyone. But like, I, I wanted to, I wanted it to be a band so bad. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to be like, I didn't even want to be like the vocalist or guitar player or none of that. I just wanted to like, like I said, that's why on my Instagram it says creative director or like any, on my social media says creative director. Cause I, I really, just, I really just wanted it to. I really just, I really just wanted to like, I just had a vision, you know what I mean? And I was, but no one was down. Everyone's like guitar with, with, with beats and screaming. And it was just like, it was just like, it was just like, oh man, like no one, no one gets the vision. I gotta do this dolo. Like, I don't know how, but I gotta do this dolo. I moved back to Baltimore. This is where drip comes into play. And, I, and my homie who just came in, shout out Greg, Rap Dragons. So like, uh, I'm at my friend's house and I'm, I'm like, dude, I got this idea, like eulogy, like, I don't, like just listen to this. And he's like, dude, that's so sick. This is gonna blow the fuck up. This is like 2015. And I'm like, you think so? He's like, bro, I swear, man, yo, whatever you're doing is keep doing. And I'm like, yo, nobody gets it. Like I keep trying to play with bands. All my friends who are in bands are like, bro, what but this mitch who's in drip he's like kind of a visionary so he's like nah man i always know like when things are going to pop off like eight years is where it happens like just keep at it i'm like all right what all right man thanks for hyping me up so that's where it started and then like i just kept getting booked dude i could have played like 200 shows man i swear like i was playing like three shows a week Mm -hmm. two shows a night from New York, Philly, New Jersey, uh, DC, Baltimore, which is a pretty awesome stretch for the East Coast. You know what I mean? Like it's DC, Baltimore, 
uh, Delaware, New Jersey, Philly, like it's, it's New York, upstate. It's all kind of like an eight hour stretch. So it's doable. You know what I mean? So I'm getting booked everywhere with rappers, uh, weird, weird, weird bands, like dance parties. It's just everything. Wherever, wherever you go, I'm rocking. So it got to a point where I was just, it was just like an overload. And I was just like, okay, I got this like EP out and it's, it's dope. Cause my homie P Morris came from LA to uh, record me. Cause he's like, bro, you got to put this on paper. Like people like you just got to like, this is recorded. I'm coming from LA. Boom. He had just worked with like, uh, he has a little tour of FK Twigs. So I'm like, okay, bet. Like, and he's the homie. He used to do the dance party that I was doing at Auto Bar like years ago, but he's in LA now. So I'm like, all right, cool, let's go. So I respect him so much. He comes to my studio. We just set up, boom, record the EP, put that online. It just goes bonkers, dude. Like I'm getting booked. It, it's, it's crazy. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, damn, everybody fucks with this, but the hardcore kids. <laughs> and I'm kind of tight about it because I'm a hardcore kid. And I, that's my ethos. And I'm like, yo, how can I make this so that like, it's a, appealing to that crowd as well. So I was like, all right, man, I'm about to bring my guitar out. Fuck it. Like, so I, I started playing guitar over all this heavy shit, heavy ass beats and stuff. And like, kind of like break down or whatever. And then pe- that's when people start to be like, oh shit, like, what is this? And I didn't even know what it was. I just thought it was dope. Like, again, like I, it was, it's always been experimental because it's just me. So it's not a band where people can be like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't do that. So there's no rules. Um, and so that's kind of how eulogy started. I, I get why you would be bummed that the hardcore kids weren't messing with it. Cause I'm normally in like the, when bands that aren't hardcore, but are like affiliated with hardcore um, are doing things. Normally the scene will back them and they'll get propped up. If you look at bands, like, like I mentioned earlier, like turnover, you know, they played a bunch of hardcore stuff and look at them now playing in target and a bunch of weird uh, other places. Awesome band. Um, but, but I, I totally get why that would like um, bum you out, but it, but it's interesting you know, when you plot the guitar and then kids are like, oh, okay, it kind of piques their interest. It's like that one little change. Yeah, yeah man. It, it really, I always say, like, I always say eulogy switch up the flow because, like, I just know that, like, yeah, other people are doing it, but, like, not, like, how I was, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, I really feel this shit and, like, like, it's a statement, you know? Like, it, it's, again, it's kind of like, yo, you don't need nobody else if it come, when it comes down to it, if you want to, like, put yourself out there and make some music. And at one point, it got to the point where it was, like, it wasn't even about me. It was just like, yo, I got to do this for any kid who's at home being like, oh, I want to do a band, but like, I don't got eight dudes. I don't got three dudes. I don't got this girl wants to, whatever. They don't have people that want to do it with them. And I, again, I was just like, man, let me just like rock this out and like go hammer and like be, I, I can, you know, I know it's just me, but I'll put money on it that I can hang out, hang with any live show. You know what I mean? And people might not see that yet because it's not too much online, but anyone who sees me live like that's why i've been even out here for as long as i have been based off my live show um so this is all going on and i put out this album in 2017 by myself you know what i mean like no help no promo i'm asking everybody i know okay yo send it to somebody get me on a blog post something please nothing nothing and i know a lot of people dude like i'm not like out here trying to say like I'm some it dude, but like I know a lot of people in some 
pretty cool places that could have easily been like tweeted it and that's it could have been a rap mm-hmm. and no one did it and i was like damn man this shit must be fire because no one wants to or i'm trash you know what i mean but i was like there's no way i'm trash there's no way so i was just like i'm fire and no one wants to like hate people are hating or people just don't get it because it's kind of ahead of its time mm-hmm. and then that's when like ghost man and stuff started popping and I'm like, yo, whoa, 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 like, bro, like, yo, eulogy, son. What you talking about? No, no, no disrespect to Ghostman. I love him. I love anybody like Suicide Boys. I love all that stuff. But I'm like, bro, y'all bugging because y'all see me on this. And there's no way you didn't because I showed y'all. So that kind of like made me frustrated. I played a show at Wiki in Philly. Aaron from Jesus Peace came through. And that's how, like, I... Like I met him and he was like, yo, did you used to do hardcore? Are you in hardcore or something? Cause we don't know each other. We just yeah. met the show. And I'm like, yeah, bro. I used to like being like this man that ground a defect. Like, you know, back in the day, like I don't really, I was actually kind of out of touch with the hardcore scene. So, and I didn't even know he was in Jesus piece. He's like, oh, you're from Baltimore. I'm like, yeah, bet. He's like, oh man. When like, when, uh, when um, I come to Baltimore, uh, I'll hit you up. My aunt has um, some stuff going on down there. I was like, all right, cool. Bet. So like we we're hanging out. I'm showing him Dagger's album and like all this stuff and my old bands and stuff. He's like, oh, that's cool, bet, bet. He's like, yo, you should listen to my new stuff. And this is like w- when he was in, um, uh, I think it was called, oh man, I don't wanna, I don't wanna misquote myself, but he was playing bass in another band. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, oh, I feel so lame for not remembering this, uh, this band. Um, it'll come to me, but, He's like, oh, let me show you my other band. And it's like Jesus piece. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so, you know, me as like a, a, I always say this story because I just feel like it's it's just, I just have to say it. But like, you know, being, like I said, 0304, when I was like in this metal metal um, core band, like there's no men of color at any of these shows, none of them. There, there wasn't too many men of color, even any of these bands. So once I started doing all this other stuff and kind of like, I knew about hardcore. I'm from Baltimore, so Trapped Under Ice, Turnstile, all that stuff's popping, cool, bam, awesome. But I like I'm over here in New York doing like the rap stuff and like just just being experimenting other things. So like I'm not in the scene, but I know of the scene because I'm a part of it and I know all these kids, you know what I mean? Like I grew up with them. Uh I was playing shows with them before they were in, in these bands, in other bands, you know. So I'm still aware of what's going on and hardcore is my heart. So when, when Aaron showed me Jesus piece, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know about this. Like, I knew about, you know, I know about what I know about, but I was like, damn, man, I really fell off. So I'm over here, like, doing research, like, oh, damn, like, Knock Loose, like, this is what all these bands are playing together. I, knew, I already knew about Code Orange Kids, but I didn't know that they were Code Orange now. So it's just like, I was aware, but just out of date, I guess I want to say. You know, because I was so involved in other things like DJing and just, you know, I was experimenting with other scenes and things that um, I was, hardcore wasn't my main focus. So when I discovered about like, you know, like, I guess it was kind of like a revival, too, because for a while I felt like hardcore was kind of like a standstill. Um, so in a sense of like, for me, I was like, yo, trapped under ice is out. That's all that matters. I'm from Baltimore. Them niggas is hard. Like, mm-hmm. that's it. Like, <laughs> who cares? You know, like I know about everything else, but. They're killing it and they're they're from my home city. That's what I'm rocking with. You know what I mean? Like, and I know that's kind of like uh ignorant of me, but like it's like home team, you know what I mean? And they're fucking good. So I'm just yeah. like, I'm rocking with TUI. That's all I need to know about. I had a like a TUI patch on my one of my jackets in New York, and someone's like, 
what you know about T.Y.? I'm like, bro, I'm from Baltimore. And that's all I need to say. And they're like, all right, bet. So, um, so yeah, I, I just wanted the hardcore kids to vibe with what I was doing. And not only because I wanted them to vibe, but just I just knew that it was adjacent to what I was doing. Like, it's a part of it. So, like, and not, not that I needed their acceptance, but in order for this to, like, work, to get my vision across, I needed to, I wanted to see them move to what I was doing. Well, if I see, if I can see, if I can get a, if I can get a two-step, if I can get a mosh, if I can get something out of like any of these songs, then I'm in the right direction. So that's where Eulogy came from. And then I recorded this album and then it pops, it goes out. And like, I think people were, again, were just kind of like, yo, what do we do with this? No one knew what to do with it. Like, they're like, bro, like, I, I want to book you, but my homie's saying, nah. And then it was like the same thing. Everyone was like, I want to play, I want to play with you, but the band doesn't get it or like the other band in the bill doesn't get it so it just kept leaving me with just like all right i'm just gonna take what i can get and then i started getting booked in like festivals like i played a festival with like pup and like best coast and stuff out in midwest and then i was people in california were hitting me up at like the rec center and like all this stuff and like everywhere i was just like overseas and i was just like bro like no one here though wants to book me (laughs) so it was like really frustrating and then this is when I meet, this is when I'm Mitch from Drip. I'm at like a uh, Vicaro's, which is an Italian restaurant. I'm popped in and with him. He's like, yo, what's up? I'm like, oh, what's up, dude? He's like, yo, we got to get together and jam sometime. I'm like, bet. Like, cause he was in, he was in um, this band Sacred Love, which was uh, on Youngblood. Um, he was in this uh, group Malicious Code, which is the singer of that band is now and ended. Um, he was in this band called uh, Surroundings and Brick. So he was like, He's just been an OG guitar player, uh, you know, in Baltimore and all his bands I've low-key been a fan of. So he's like, yo, let's write some music. I'm like, dude, I'm trying to play some like, yeah, I'm trying to be in a hardcore band again. Cause like, let's go. You know what I mean? And I love, I love what you, everything you do. Like this makes sense. And he came over to like play guitar on a eulogy track. And then he was like, Hey, what you think about this? He started shredding. You know what I mean? I'm like, dude, we, dude, let's go. Like, what, what, what's your idea? And I was like, he told me, he was like, I just want to do everything that I like, but in the style of hardcore. And I was like, okay, I can get with that. Cause I've always been a dude who's like, I want to do a band, but I don't want it to be like, I don't want it to be too many rules. But so he was like, oh, like, all right, let's go. And then we just started writing for a year and practicing, my homie Dom started playing drums, and then John started playing bass, and then we kind of just like, we, the whole thing was like, yo, let's just put out a beefy ass EP album, no shows played yet, let's just practice and put out a beefy piece so people know we're serious, like off top, like before we even play a show. So we've never even played a show yet for Drip. We've just been practicing and writing for years. That's insane. Okay, but before we get to drip, I'm uh, still curious about eulogy. I've uh, you know uh, uh, did my homework. I checked out the the YouTube the 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 live studio session, which normally like I, I was kind of like skeptical going in. I was like, oh, I was like, am I going to be able to sit through this whole thing? Yeah, but yeah. but it was entertaining. I was like, oh, this is uh, this is something that didn't like turn me off right away because uh, normally um, if it doesn't interest me, I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll give it like two or three minutes and then I'll leave. But I actually watched the whole thing, so like, oh, this is actually That's pretty sick. cool. Dope. Um, so I, I like really enjoyed that. And I totally uh, get how people can be like a little 
like I guess like apprehensive to to want to um, book you because you know you don't sound like anything else or they're not like familiar and they're just like oh like w- like what if it's like too weird but I'm just like no that that's exactly what you should be like m- maybe going after especially somebody who's like taking it as serious as you are to to give you that chance and put you in front of people because uh, people are always afraid of change or things that they're not familiar with so and that's so common people know that like it, it's not like a, a big secret um, if they're not like you know in the know or totally understand it they just get weird about it but it's just like for me i'm like no like that's the kind of stuff that that makes me like more interested i'm like all right if i am not familiar or i don't get it like i want to do a little more research i want to figure out like what this whole thing is about and that that's the stuff that gets me excited so when i listen to eulogy i'm like all right this is awesome like i want to you know obviously i'm talking to you now but like before like leading up to this i was like i want to talk to this guy i want to hear what he's all about so i can under because i feel like it just will help me to understand the music even more you know yeah, definitely. I'm glad that I'm glad as like a as a someone who podcasts with someone who's also like a fan. I'm glad that you said that because again, like I everything I do is kind of deliberate, at least with eulogy, and there's a lot of thought put into it. And um, it's it's been like like I I've, I've stuck to my guns, you know. For a while, I was like, dude, I'm gonna. Just, like I, at one point, I was kind of like, fuck all this. I'm just done. Like. Like I, because I make music for myself, but also like, you know, any artist is lying to you if they don't if they say they don't want people to like enjoy it as well, mm-hmm. or if they don't want people to like at least give it a try. Because you know, yeah, we make it for ourselves, but I want to be a rock star. I want to be out here. Like, like let's like let's be real. Like that's I think in everyone's heart, like they are like, yes, that's what I want to do. Even if it doesn't get to that point, I would love for it to get to that point. You know, and um. I think with eulogy, I was like, I have to do something that sets me apart from everything that I'm hearing right now so that even if people don't like it, there's no in between. Either you don't like it because you don't get it or you haven't taken the time out to really like, you have to kind of dive into it. You know, it's its its own thing. Um, so yeah, it's cool that you, that you picked up on that. I have one request. Um, is there any way we can get some lyrics up on the band camp? Yeah, I got you. Okay, I got you. It, that, and, you know, like I said, you know, band, dude, that that was my first piece of music that I put out as like I'm being serious with eulogy. That wasn't even like my homie made me do it. Mm-hmm. He was like, "Bro, we gotta we gotta put this on record." Like, and so I, I just put it out and just left it alone. You know what I mean? Like, I to this day, like I was just like, it was like a, it was like my calling card, you know. So I I, I I swear I never thought people would actually like it. Honestly, I was just like, damn, yo, I got to do something that's different just for my own artistry and to like set myself aside from what else was going on. Um, yeah, so I, I got you with the lyrics and the album's coming out next couple months. So uh, some of the songs from the EP are on the album and way better and recorded. All right. Hell yeah. I'll, I'll I got make sure to stay in touch. So whenever that comes out, we'll um, you know uh, put it out there. I'll, I'll, I'll drop a link. I'm not afraid to drop a link and you know, show support. Hey. Um, so uh, I'm obviously like listening to, to your music. I was, uh, you know, curious and I stumbled upon, uh, you know, cell vision. So I, I had no idea like what they were about or anything that they were doing. So you were kind of my bridge to them. So I'm curious, uh, how you linked up with them. Crazy man. Uh, so Maddie safer, who's a, the bass player in this band poolside and he's in the bass player, uh, of the rapture, which was like a pretty big indie band, uh, in the two thousands. Um, and then Prince Terrence, Terry, he's uh, the other owner. He's drums for like Steve Aoki, Diplo, Santi Gold. Uh, 
just a whole bunch of heavy hitters in that world. Um, I always like to call them like the hipsters that I looked up to when I was like getting into that whole thing. Um, so pretty much I met Prince in New York, uh, but like, it was just like with some small talk, ca casual conversation, like at shows that he was playing, he was in his band Hustle Club and uh, drummed for, like I said, all these different artists. So I would just see him out and like, you know, again, there's not too many men of color in these spaces, regardless if it's hardcore or indie or anything. So to have, see like a guy like that, like on stage and like playing with people in like One Direction and stuff, I'm like, dude, what's this dude on? Like how? So like I would hit him sometimes up on like Facebook, like, hey man, like, <laughs> I got this project, like, do you think I need a manager? Like, can you give me some advice? And he was like, oh yeah, like, I don't think you need a manager from what I see, like, you're killing it on your own. Like, just keep doing you until you feel like you're maxed out on your resources. And I'm like, all right, that's actually pretty good advice. Like, so maybe I don't need a manager because I've heard when people have managers, it sucks or it's a waste of money. So I'm like, great. Someone I look up to you give me advice. That sounds pretty decent. I'm gonna keep it moving. And then he hit me up like, yeah, like I'm doing a, I'm doing a label, like, you know, Maybe we'll talk to you when it's ready. And I'm like, ah, whatever. Like, I doubt it. Cause like people, a lot of people who had labels were hitting me up. And like, again, I don't think a lot of people just want to take the risk. So they would just start a conversation with me and it's kind of like leave me hanging. I'm like, damn, dude, that sucks. Like, don't like do that. Like, artists are sensitive. Like, <laughs> so, but then, you know, it's always like you hear from like your friends, like labels suck. Like, so I, I was always like, all right, yeah, cool. I don't need a label, whatever. Fuck that. So, uh, I had showed, I did a, a video for Wagon and he hit me up. I was like, yo, dude, uh, it was like a year later or something. Like, I was like, yo, here's a video for Wagon, like one of my songs. Like, what do you think? And he hit me back. He's like, dude, this is sick. Actually, we just got out of a meeting for um, our licenses and stuff for the label. Like, what's good? I'm like, oh shit. Wow, this is crazy. And then, like, you know, it was label talk and, you know, I had never personally been on a label in any of my projects. So it was like, is this something I even want to do? Like, what are you guys going to like do for me or, you know, whatever, like what's that talk? And I was kind of like scared. And then like, uh, they were like, you know, this is what's the plan. We're like, you know, strictly like digital platform because that's the future. And just like a, a lot of like insider information, like for the industry that I guess is relevant now that I re really didn't think was going to be relevant two years ago, but they knew it was up. They're like, we got a distributor distributor, um, one RPM and like, this is what we're aiming for. And like, we want to add you to the roster. And you know, they're already artists themselves, but they also started solo projects and are under the label itself too. So it's like a label in a, in a, a magazine pretty much. And then like, a, also like kind of like artist development type situation. So they hit me up and I'm like, all right, well, what, what's next? And then they're like, we'll, we'll send you paperwork. And then I get some paperwork and it's like, these are the terms. We want to like do one or two albums with you, whatever you want though. Like, let's figure it out. We'll take it from there. And then I was like, all right, let me think about it. And then they call me one day, I'm in my office and they're like, yo, we just sent your video to uh, some people we know and Supreme wants to use it for one of their drops. And I'm like, Supreme, the skate company? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, Nah, -uh. he's like, I swear. And I'm like, bro, what? I'm like, this is crazy. So, and I'm like, I'm at, I'm at work in the office. I work at Johns Hopkins in um, the pathology department. And uh, I do like administrative stuff. So I'm like, I secondly shouldn't have left the lab or the office to take the call, but 
it's it's pretty cool. It's chill. Like I thought it was kind of like an emergency because he didn't tell me what it was up. And so I'm like, well, okay, well, what do we need to do? Like, what's like, what's what? When do they want to release it? What do they need from me? He's like, they want to release it on Tuesday. I'm like, dude, that's in like four days. He's like, yeah. <laughs> so we pretty much like sped up the contract deal with even the label, and then did some stuff with Supreme like within like weeks of me even talking to them. Like I wasn't even like even with the team yet. You know what I mean? But they were already like pushing my stuff out to other people. So I'm like, oh fuck yeah, like let's go. Like you guys wanna help me out? I feel like I'm at like at a point in my career where like I've done all I can. Let's, whatever you guys can do for me will be a blessing, so let's do it. And then the Supreme thing was the first thing to happen. Like, the next thing I know, Tuesday drops, it's July 2nd. A Supreme, um, a Supreme ad with uh, the Snorkel Company. I think it's called Sessi. Uh, they did a, they did a they did a drop, you know, one of the rare drops, and my song was the the music for the the ad. So that's kind of how like sell started. And then uh, two weeks before that, I was talking to Benji from Good Charlotte, and I was like, "Yo, bro, like this song Wagon I put out is like got some Good Charlotte lyrics in it. Like I listened to you guys in high school, like before, like." I was into like anything else really like because you guys are from Maryland it made me realize that like anything's possible like you like like dude like you guys are like the ultimate rock stars from that era like let's be real you know and didn't think anything of it I just wanted to let him know that I did a song with some of their lyrics in it you know what I mean but also that I was a fan and he hits me back like one day like I wake up and it's like Benji Madden and I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, dude, what? He's like, yo, that's so sick. Like, send me the song. Like, you know, and I'm like, all right, bet. And I send him the song. He's like, dude, that's crazy. We're playing in Maryland next week. You want to come to the show and meet us? I'm like, fuck yeah. So like, I go meet Good Charlotte and I'm like, yo, like talking to him about like how I like love them <laughs> and how it's so dope that they like, even wanted to meet me. You know what I mean? Like they literally just sent me tickets. I get them and like they're all access passes to the venue. So like I'm just roaming around like backstage, not knowing where the fuck to go because like they didn't say anything else to me. Like yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, this is so sick. Like, and then when we finally met and talked, and then they were like, all right, bet. And then like the song from like Keep Your Hands Off My Girl that they have when Morning Revival. They like did it. They like played the song and they played it up to me when like they played it because like that's like some of the lyrics from Wagons on that song. And then um, then like and I was like, dude, I was like, this shit's about to be in a Supreme Man next week. And they're like, what? <laughs> so it was just like all happened like within like a couple of months after like doing things with Cell. And then like they were like, all right, we're gonna release some singles. We're gonna do some videos. Like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, all right, well, this is the idea I have. Like, I want to do these songs with these with these videos before the album drops. It's all kind of a story low key. So, uh, but they're all individual songs on the album. So it was just like all these things that happened and then sells like back in me. So I'm like, I feel super confident now. Like all the people who like didn't support me or didn't want to book me, I don't even care anymore. I'm like, dude, I'm back by like artists I look up to. And like one of my favorite bands growing up just gave me the nod, like whatever, I'm good now. You know what I mean? So I just like, that gave me like a confidence boost and I just, started going ham and just started figuring out all the visuals and like the ideas from the videos. I got a pretty awesome team behind me who helps me with everything I do. So yeah, man, Eulogy has been like, it's been a long five years, but I really feel like uh, 21, 2021 is going to like 
be a good year for me as, as far as like just getting the full story out because the album will be out uh, and the final video for at least this run of uh, the story will be out. And then I can move on from there and start creating the, the next project with um, a bunch of my friends that were already like in talks of figuring out what's the next word, the next wave slash vision for eulogy. Because again, it, it's I can't do everything by myself. The division's so big that like I'm reaching out to like almost everyone I'm a fan of to be like, yeah, this is this crazy idea I have. So COVID's kind of like stopped that, but also the album's not even out yet for the original run. So I feel like I'm in a good place right now as far as like, creativity for even getting music out because I'm already working on like albums that aren't even out that are ready. You know what I mean? Like I'm just, I just got, I'm just working, man. I'm, I'm, I'm the gears are turning. That's awesome. I really like that. You didn't get too discouraged uh, early on when people not really fucking with it. Cause uh, I feel like sometimes you kind of just got to stay in your lane and just do what you really want and things will come together eventually unless you really suck. But, um, but for you to, to, to stick to it and then have these people that you look up to now or in your corner and supporting your vision and then these experiences that you're having, I, I think, you know, that's like, like really awesome and uh, kind of like a testament. It's like, dude, like you just got to stick to it. Like things just don't happen overnight. You got to work for that shit. And so the fact that you stuck to it and, you know, here you are and now you got all these people like actually fucking with your vision. I, I think that's like super awesome. And people out there listening who are uh, too afraid to do what they really want. Like when, when it comes to just anything, just like, I feel like people just got to kind of take that plunge and just uh, not be afraid of like, you know, like immediate results and just kind of just work for it. And things should eventually come together if you're real about it, you know? Yeah, for sure. It was, I'm not gonna lie. That's frustrating. Man, Cause like, like I see kids that I love and support and I'll be at shows and I'm like, damn dude, y'all didn't book me yet. Like, like even in like, when we're just talking like at, at the show, I'm like, it's like in the back of my head, I'm like, damn dude but like when am i gonna get to play with you like you know what i mean like it's all love like that's the thing that's the thing i always thought was weird like people who saw me who make music as well um know that i was doing this thing and like it just it was just weird that no one ever was like hey man like you, you want to hop on this bill like most of the shows i played for a while were, that weren't out of state were at least locally was just bills i was putting myself on because again like I get it, no one was booking me, but again, I feel like in um, the music world and in this this scene and community, I feel like we can we can do more as far as community when it comes to like, all right, we all hate gatekeepers, but like how much are we actually like gatekeeping ourselves? Because I feel like once you get a platform, you have to be responsible to realize where you stand and what you can do in order to make change as well. And I think a lot of musicians and artists might get scared that you know, what if I put this person on or help this person out that it might take away from me or or the band. And I I'm just trying to like push it, you know, like, hey man, like there's room for everyone. Um so again with, with eulogy, I, I there was times I wanted to quit. I met uh Finn online from Soulblind and I was like, yo, these kids are good. And like uh a couple other bands and I was like, yo, I'm not I'm not stopping nothing because it's like, you know, uh they were like a band I saw and I was like, yo, this is not like hardcore, but it's, it's, I could see why like it could be attached to hardcore, but I could also see why hardcore kids are, are like, eh, not for this show. You know what I mean? So like, and then when I um, met them and they stayed at my house on one of the, the, the tour that we met and ever since then we've been friends and like, 
you know, I'll, I tell them all the time, like, yo, dude, like, how, like, how, like, kind of like, how did you guys make that like decision to like go all in with this? Cause you know, like sometimes I feel like, you know, in the hardcore scene, like if you're not hardcore, you're like not in as far as music wise. Um, and so sometimes I think it's like, damn dude, like, am I taking a risk by not even like making this, like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes I feel like, uh, it's like, but I want to be accepted. So do I make write music to be accepted or do I just hope that people hear the influence and in, in the sound within this sound and, and hear that it's also part of like what we all love and create. Cause at the end of the day, I think I'm like, I'm 35, like hardcore is not leaving my soul. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's such, it's so embedded in me that, um, and, I, and a lot of people that I think that like, uh, and and I see it being like more uh, accepting, like seeing like like Code Orange and Knock Loose get nominated for like Grammys and and like stuff like that, or being sold at Target. I'm like, all right, like this wasn't like '03 when I was coming up and like getting into this. Like it's it's it seems like it's more accepting, and like it's it is like the new like when I was listening to like Saves the Day, you know what I mean? Not to put it on that like level, but like growing up, Saves the Day was like that band where like. You might know about it even if you don't listen to hardcore, but every hardcore dude I knew knew saves a day. You know what I mean? So I feel like music now is like it's more accept accepting to uh, the youth because a lot of youth are like a little bit more like uh, accepting into like different things. It's not like oh I gotta be this one thing or one type of vibe. So yeah, eulogies. That's just where it's at right now. Hell yeah. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to the, the future of ULG. Like I said, I like what you got going on. But finally, I want to talk about Drip because this is this is what, uh, you know, uh, is the reason for this whole podcast. And I listened to Drip and I was like, damn, like for being like a new band, this is actually pretty tight. And that's why I, I reached out to to Sen and I, I kind of put the feelers out there like, yo, like, like, would anybody from the band be down to do the podcast? And he like recommended you. So um, that was just like this idea that I had that I've had. And obviously, like, we've been in talks for doing this for, for a minute. So I'm just happy that it's finally here. Yeah. And I know you, you briefly talked about the band, but uh, since you put out the record, how do you feel like the reception has been, um, especially from the Baltimore scene? Um. You know, it's been, I can't tell, dude, you know, I've, 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 there's been people that, uh, I know have like started following me or like hit us up based off a of drip, but they're, most of people aren't like in Baltimore. I think the kids in Baltimore, like who know about eulogy and that's one thing too. I, I try to keep it as separate from eulogy as possible. You know, like I didn't like people know me as eulogy and we like, all right, I'm in drip too, but with announcing drip, I kind of just wanted to leave it as drip and not just guys in eulogy singing you know what i mean like i kind of like want to like have people just focus on what it is for what it is and not because i'm in a solo project or whatever um i mean i, I couldn't tell you honestly i'm kind of a hermit low-key so like whatever the streets are saying i i wouldn't know but at least locally but it seems like the people who have listened to it in general are, are really digging it yeah, I had our mutual friend uh, Shay from uh, Flat Spot on the podcast, 
and him and I were talking off air and there was just like, um, there was like a, a couple of like local bands that we didn't even bring up. It just always totally slipped our mind. We got lost in conversation and I asked him about drip. I'm like, yo, like, have you heard that band drip? And he was super surprised that I knew about you guys. He's like, he's like, dude, like, how do you know about drip? Like, you know, the singer lives like on the same block as me. That's crazy. Like, how do you know them? And I'm just like, I don't like, I didn't know they were like that, like, you know, underground or whatever. It was just local or just a mutual friends posting shit on the internet. That's how I found out about it. So he, he seemed really surprised that, that I knew about it, but uh, you know, I, I had to bring it up to him just because, like, I, I really enjoyed the the record. Yeah, man. Yo, shout out Sin. That's my boy. So, so glad. Yeah, that's there. We have a uh, uh, lots of love for each other. But yeah, man. So shout out Che too. Like he he's the homie. You know, like like I said, we live we literally live like a minute walk from my house. Like I can you know he's so close. Uh, and him and I talked about music a lot, and just like even maybe even like writing together maybe one day, but like, like I said, man, it's kind of like one of those things where we were just like, as a band, like I said, we, we haven't played any shows yet. Um, when we went to record in, in, in uh, we went to record the album in, in March, the first week in March, oh, right wow. when like, things were getting kind of like shaky about COVID. And then as soon as we got back from that, like week of being in New York upstate, bam, whole world shut down. So we were like, Dude, we literally just recorded this like right before uh, like COVID hit, you know, and our whole thing was like, dude, after we record this, this, this EP, this album, like, let's get it popping. You know what I mean? Because that was the whole we as a band, we were like no shows until we just put out this EP like straight up. Like it was it was from day one. It was like, it's let's just hit them with it with the music first. No, nothing else. So it's kind of cool now in a way that. We still haven't put any shows out. Like everyone in the band's kind of mysterious besides me because like that's how we kind of want it. Because again, we just wanted people to focus on the music. And you know, we had people like who were like, dude, hit up this label, hit up that label. Like, yo, let me all these people who are kind of like, this is popping. But then we had people that like, you know, there was some discrepancy with the cover. Like I had up some people. And they said they were going to do it. And then, like, I sent them the music and then it never got back to me. And I'm like, damn. And then, like, just a couple, like, weird nuances where, like, I'll hit up people who I, like, you know, who are in the scene. I'm like, bro, what's good with the, you know, this is my new shit. And they were just to be like, and I'm like, damn, is it not good or is it just that dope that, like, I don't know. So we were like, yo, I was like, yo, we're, we're on to something because either people don't want this heat to come out or they just hate it. And either way I'm down for either. So um, we just put it out, you know, and people like you and, you know, other people that I respect in, the, in this realm of music like it. So to me, that's all that matters because um, again, I think with anything, the music, the art, the craft, if it's the way it's supposed to be, it will take you wherever it's going to take you. And um, that's what I feel about drip. I really feel in my heart that like, it's going to catch on. And when it catches on, people are going to be like, Oh fuck. It, at this point, it's like, damn, how did I not know about that? Because so many people in these weird specs and spots throughout the scene know about it, that I feel like when the people who don't know about it find out, you know what I mean? I think it's just like, I think it's kind of like a word of mouth thing at this point. Well, obviously whenever shows uh, start happening again, uh, I feel like that'll be like the true test when you kind of see what the live shows are like. 
But oh, trust me, I'm here to bring the heat. But I, I honestly feel like the 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 music is good. You can't uh, deny that. And if uh, you're not into it, uh, you might just be a hater, which is <laughs> which is totally fine. Everybody, you know, um, uh, they're gonna hate on, on what's good. But what I'm curious about is like, yeah, if it wasn't for for Sen from Soulblind, like I wouldn't even know who to hit up from the band. So, yeah. um, do you feel like that could be a hindrance that you guys are trying to keep it like super low key as to who's in the band? Nah, because if you want to hit like, like it's 2020, man, like hit, hit the, hit the link and find an email. It's, it's like, we're, we're professional enough to have that listed. So, okay. Um, I've always been a fan of bands low key that like, did like, I didn't want to do social media and all, all my friends are like, dude, <laughs> like, that's why I made the Twitter just to like, all right, at least it's on there and like the album cover and you see the link. Like to me, I was just, I always was a fan of like bands that it was like, damn, they don't even got no social media and they're out here like that. Like I just was always intrigued by that because uh, it just shows a lot about like fan base and, and, and just the band itself. Um, but just because of the times and you're not playing shows and everyone's kind of a mystery. Uh, and even myself, like some people are like, yo, what's up with this dude? So like uh, it was kind of just like, yo, let's, again, it was just like, let's just put it out. Hopefully it, it does what it does just based off the music. Yeah, well, I like I said, I'm into the music, and I'm definitely stoked to see uh, what you guys do in the future um, with Drip, and uh, maybe some some merch to hold us over. Or yeah, we're actually we're working on merch right now. Okay, and we're actually, um, almost done writing the full length. Oh, uh, oh, you guys have stayed busy. It's pretty much done, but we we're we're tweaking some things. You know, it's not uh, the final say, but we got a good like nine to 12 song um, album that's pretty much written. We did pre-pro for it a couple months ago. So right now we're just dissecting the uh, the music itself and making it sure it's as good as it can be. Um, and then we're going to go record most likely with Brendan who did our, our EP as well. Damn. Uh, hopefully that's... 2021 based depending on like, you know, the state of the world and stuff like that. But hopefully we can, it's, it's, it's almost ready to go. So it just depends on like, you know, the laws and pandemic and, if we can, if it's safe to even go record an album. Oh yeah. Um, well, yeah, we're, it's, we're ready, man. I'm, I'm into that and, you know, stay busy, uh, you know, just kind of put it out there and, uh, make people aware because, uh, some people are going to not be aware because they haven't seen the links or whatever. And you got to just kind of just stay consistent and just, uh, keep dropping music and just be relevant and people will have to eventually find out. Yeah, man. I, like I said, I think, I think, you know, we just put the EP out like a couple like a month or two ago, I think like, not even like October. So yeah. for a band who's like, you know, like I said, we want to keep it not too much promo and just put it out there and let people talk amongst themselves with it. But I mean, we've been, we've, get, we've gotten love like in, in Cali, we've gotten love in Boston, uh, upstate New York, you know, Brendan and the soul Blind crews putting, put showing us love, uh, you know, so it's definitely making his rounds. Um, hopefully we can put, play some of the awesome fests, that are included in hardcore whenever things pop up. But again, I think that's just going to be a testament to like when people see us live and, uh, you know, get, get more familiar with what drip even is or what we stand for. Uh, another note I want to say real quick is the, the, I haven't said this to anyone really, but since we're on the podcast, the, so the, the, the EP is based off of, um, me putting myself in situations as a victim in serial killer scenarios. Okay. That's, so the undertone of all those songs are a victim and or someone 
being uh, like tortured or like someone being chased after and stuff like there's undertones all that in the music so go back and listen to it now that you know that um just because it was it wasn't supposed to be conceptual but i love like putting a little twist on the things like that just to uh just because like that's how my artistry is and also can we get some lyrics on the band camp i got you okay I, oh man it's one of those things where i'm just like sheesh i got I'm slacking, man. <laughs> All right. All right. I got to ask because I know I'm not the only one out there that, that likes to read along and want to, you know, analyze the lyrics and, you know, uh, dig a little deeper. So I, I would appreciate that. I appreciate I appreciate you uh, being on my toes about that. I'll, I'll get it popping for you, for everyone, for okay. sure. Thank you. Um, I want to ask you about this topic because um, you, you mentioned uh, being a, a man of color in this space. And I, I listened to this podcast and it just, uh, I, you know, I, I support the guy. He, he's a good friend of mine, but he, he put this conversation out and it was this, uh, this, uh, um, and see, I, I don't want to use the wrong pronoun, but it was just, uh, I'll say f- a female, if that's correct, if it's incorrect, I apologize. Um, and she was talking about how people shouldn't start bands with their friends. People should start bands with more diversity and I was just, and that just pissed me off so much because I was like, okay, uh, I think the best thing to do is to start bands with your friends because those are the people that you love and you're around all the time, anyways. And I feel like the chemistry there would, is just amazing. But to 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 want to start a band just to have this like diversity checklist, I just feel like that's just not genuine. And people would see right through that because like I, I see it in like different um uh you know shows on YouTube and stuff like brand new shows will pop up and then you're like, oh shit, they hit the diversity checklist and this isn't even real. Like this is all scripted and they did this by design. Design, and that is an instant turnoff for me. So um, I, I'm just curious, like what like your thoughts are on, on something like that uh, from, you know, just like that, that, that process. Cause it, to me, it's just, it's just so wacky. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, it's, it's hard, man. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, cause again, when we're in these spaces in the, in, in the, the scene, the subculture, you know, for me, as, as being the type of person I am, just from my background, it was like, you know, it was kind of like, hey, whatever we all got going on, like when we come to this room, the music is what's really bringing us together. And we all are here because we actually feel that shit, at least for me. Um, and, you know, obviously some people are into the quote unquote scene for other reasons than the music itself. But I always just think about like the core essence of like punk and hardcore. It's like, yo, like what are what do you what do you have to say? What do you stand for? Um, you know, that's why I always love like the idea of like, you know, even people being straight edge and vegan that ties into hardcore. It's it's like, you know, I'm not vegan or straight edge. I used to be straight edge. Um, I don't I'm not really like I need beef, I need beef, I need meat, but I do eat meat. Um, I'm very conscious of like what my intake and stuff is. But it's just like, you know, like it's it's like to me i was like yo we see this we see the world for what it really is sometimes and it's not also or necessarily the, the greatest place but when we're in these spaces and when we're together in these rooms i i i was so drawn to the scene because i was like i felt like safe in that even though i was the only man of color i knew that sometimes that wasn't uh that wasn't a bad thing because no one cared at that moment because we were all just here because we felt whatever way we felt when this band was writing and singing to us. So I think it's kind of corny when you're like going out of the way to like bring a person of color or someone who identifies as, uh, you know, not straight, whether that be non-binary, 
you know, LGBTQ, T plus, you know, all that stuff. Like it, it's, that's, that should, you should be like that off top. Like you should be accepting to all these type of people and bringing these people into spaces and any, your everyday life off top, off the rip, just because they're humans, not like to, to like pick, oh, this person and that person and put them a, a project because this will again, like make it be perceived as whatever to the outskirts and check off boxes is just super corny. And most people can see right through that shit, but I, I, I'm not, I'm not anti it. It's just like, you got to go about it in a way that's genuine because if it's not, then I don't want nothing to be a part of it because I see a lot of people, especially in, in just everywhere, not even the scene, like it's sitting crazy out here. So like, you know, just be true and honest to like yourself. Don't try to like conform to these things that are going on because you think it's going to like put your band or your friend group ahead because you got things boxed off, you know? Cause like the people of color and these people who aren't white, like most of the people can see through that shit and it's just going to look even worse for you. Just be, just be real and treat people as humans. And are you familiar with the band from out here uh, called Zulu? I am not. So it's a group of um, uh, men of color and they're, that's their thing. They're like, yo, like we only want, uh, you know, men of color in this band. Like we're, we're proud to uh, be African-American and that's what I like. I'm like, okay, they're real about it. They're not doing some weird, like, you know, diversity checklist. They didn't get like, you know, uh, a woman of color or or, or whatever. They're just like, yo, like we just want this band to be people of color and we're just going to do it. And they're fucking hard as fuck. And I'm like, okay, that's the shit that is like super real. There's like, I don't get any fakeness from them at all. And I'm just like, okay, like, that's what I can get behind. I don't want this fake shit where it's like all like, you know, by design, like, all right, we're going to get, you know, an Asian person in here and a white person. It's, it's just, it's just so like, like whack to me. It's goofy. And it's also like, you got to be careful, man. Cause again, like people can see right through that shit, you know? And like, you know, for me, it's like, all right, I see you like that, but who's your everyday core friend group? You know what I mean? Like, are you really like, writing for these people that aren't like white it, it's you know it's it's a, it's a lot more that goes into it than just like a post or even like having someone in your band you know i i've, I've been in bands in the past with people who weren't necessarily like the best people or like racist you know and, and we had to part ways because it's like dude what, what you, what's going on here you see me i'm in the band like so again um it, we're in a we're in an age right now where like a lot of people are using that as like a one-up, but just keep it real. It Punk's never been about any of that. It's always been about we're accepting anyone, everyone. So like, if you're if that's not your mindset and ethos, you're not in the wrong. You're not in the right place. All right. Well, damn, this has been awesome. I I really enjoyed uh, you on the podcast, Riddell. I I appreciate you. You know, going. Uh, you know, deep on the personal stuff and talking about the the music uh, in your artistry. I, I I really appreciate it. But before we go, is there anything you want to shout out or plug? Yeah, man. I just want to say thanks for having me. This is honestly the first time I've ever even like told a part of my story this way. And I'm happy that your podcast was the one that I did it on. Um, as far as like shout outs, you know, shout out Soul Blind, shout out Weiner, shout out The Screams, um, shout out Audrey, 
Yeah, man, just anyone who's rocking with me, anyone who's taking the time to like check me out and reach out and uh, shout out to all the ones who are like true freaks and weirdos. You know what I mean? I'm here for you. I'm rocking out with you. All right. Well, seriously, thank you again. And thanks again for everybody for tuning in. This has been another episode of the JMRK podcast. Always on top.